0: good afternoon and welcome to the emerging tech series of the leadership and insurance podcast this is the podcast where we speak to technology executives founders and leaders from the world of insurance and insure tech. and today i'm very lucky to be joined by eyal vp of engineering of attidotes eyal how are you doing welcome
1: great great thank you for having me um i'm eyal and it's like um i'm in tel aviv and it's like 2 p.m right now
0: yeah yeah, and how's the uh, how's the weather over there? Is it sandstorms or is it hot? What, what's it like? How how are you coping over there?
1: Well, it's a pretty hot. Yeah, it's like 100,
0: <laughs> 100 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Not 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 great for me. I'd have the I'd have the facts 50 on being a a redhead. But um, yeah, it's quite, getting quite hot here. We've had um, probably the wettest summer um, and we've had in in the UK. Quite surprising with global warming, it usually goes the other way. But um. But anyway, it's uh, it's great to have you on, and it's great to be able to do this with you. And um, I think, as we always like to start, El, um, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself. You know, a bit about your career background, how you got so involved with AI, and and how you ended up in the in the world of insure tech.
1: Yeah, so uh, so I'm 47, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of in my history. So I will be I will try to be very quick uh, <laughs> here. So I'm like. 25 years in the industry. Um, I mean, in the high tech industry, working with, uh, uh, in the beginning on the corporate companies as HP, from very, from everyone very familiar with. And uh, after that, I was joining a couple of different uh, startups companies, um, mostly working in a, in a B2C and a B2B. And one of my biggest successes that uh, one of my previous startups where I was joining as a VP of engineering, uh, it's a company called Red Kicks, and actually uh, we've been acquired by Facebook. Uh, so Facebook's actually acquired us. We've been making a DD with Facebook. Then I'm working for three months doing all the migration from this company to Red uh, to, from Red Kicks to Facebook. And uh, actually, this was very interesting and very great experience. Uh, after that, I was involved in another startup in the travel industry. And about three years ago, I was lending in uh, the insurtech industry which is mm. very, very fascinating with a lot of interest technologies and very lot of a lot of challenges uh in the industry uh, and I'm very happy to be actually here
0: fantastic thank you yeah quite a journey and um i guess just joining very recently or well, not recently in the last few years with atido just for the listeners um, could you give a brief introduction as to who atido is and, and what the mission is
1: yeah so uh, ArtiDot is a technology company uh, that we're offering a platform that is powered by artificial intelligence, uh, and it's tailored for the life insurance industry specifically. And our SaaS platform is like uh, delivers data-driven insights and uh, empowering insurers uh, to refine their business strategies, to accelerate the growth, and uh, to boost you know overall profitability. And uh, how we do it is actually in a, in a nutshell is that uh, we're analyzing like a vast amount of data. Uh, Attitude solution can uh, provide insurance with insight about the policyholder behavior, uh, lapse prediction, potential upsells or cross sales, and other uh, essential uh, metrics uh, that will affect the decision making in the life insurance business.
0: Nice. Nice. Thank you. And we actually had, because you've been with Atidote now for probably you'd, when you joined, we just got Atidote on the original series of the Leadership and Insurance podcast with Alex, which focuses very much on the insurance side of things. And of course, we touch on that as well. But the bringing you on here as the VP of Engineering to talk about the tech part of insurance, I thought it would be nice to have a little recap and and just catch up on what's happened in Attitude over the past few years, you've grown, hit lots of milestones and you know the, the market has changed quite significantly so just wanted to maybe get a, a quick summary of, of how the last couple of years have been for you and the business personally
1: Yeah, uh, Sure, um, so I will try to uh, speak about the last three years actually, when I've been joining it yeah. um, yeah. so in those last three years I mean we are Concentrating on developing a premier AI SaaS platform for life insurance carriers, um, we are continuously enhancing the platform with new features which are tailored by like clients' requests and client needs. Um, we are um, listening very carefully to the market and understanding the new needs and the change in like uh, the market environment, so we know how to proact to those changes in the market. And bringing uh, new approaches and new uh, and new features into our platform, and as more as a, like more clients uh, adopting the Atidot platform, uh, we are exposure to a growing amount of policies, like exponential growth in the in the number of policies that we are actually the Atidot platform is seeing. Um, so to date, we have analyzed about more than forty million policies. Uh, using the vast data set, our models uh, have been honored to provide even more accurate prediction regarding the policy their behavior.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. So it's been, um, and then when you look at the, how the landscape has, has changed, particularly from just generally the market going about crazy in the last couple of years, and then your product and that kind of purchasing life policy or or not purchasing but servicing that life insurance aspect you know you utilize a lot of ai and within the technology it's very data driven i'd imagine it's been a very exciting um 18 to 24 months particularly
1: Yeah. so so um in, in the last i think couple of years carriers are much more willing to share their data uh, of course, non-PII data, but they are willing to share some more data. So when we're um, getting much more data, it's very fascinating and very exciting from technology uh, perspective, because our we can improve our models and build uh, numerous changes in our models to provide much better results and much better accuracy uh, using different uh, algorithms uh, with our models and actually doing some great stuff um, that actually provides insight to the clients um mm.
0: yeah. and the life policy space you know is not in the same position you and i spoke months ago about this and you know the needs are, are ever changing the coverage is changing the problem is the well i think and i think you agree is that the problem is that the carriers are only focusing on net new business there's no retention with preference to obtaining new leads and and your, I think I think you you know the crux of your 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 technology, your platform, the idea, is less focused on that, and it's more about optimizing the existing customer base that you have. So you recently released your advanced AI platform as a response to that growing needs, you know of optimized more intelligent solutions within life insurance. What are the specific challenges for you or pain points in the life insurance industry that? Should be addressed, and the Attidotes platform is addressing.
1: Yeah, so um, the life insurance industry overall is like undergoing a significant uh, inform- transformation. Okay, mm. which is driven by you know uh, customer expectation, uh, rapidly changing, uh, and advancement in technologies, uh, personalized approach, and the the, the probability uh, of shifting in competitive landscape in the in the insurance industry. Uh, Drives a new insight for Atidot as a company uh, to bring new approaches in AI uh, and drive different, uh, um, different ideas and different challenges uh, that we are trying to, to achieve. So all of this, and including the in the last you know, six or eight months uh, since the interest rates has been changing in the in the overall in the in the world market, uh, there is a, a huge change of behavior of clients. I mean, on the annuities, for example, in the annuities uh, market, um, there's a huge changing and a lot of uh, prediction and a lot of um, observability that those policy orders are, are surrendering very, very, uh, On a lot of people are surrendering very much. And with that being said, there's a lot of carriers that actually seeing this change in the financial market and think, okay, how, how we can address this and how can we solve this problem? And one of the biggest uh, biggest power is that actually with our AI models, we are predicting the current policy behavior. Um, by doing this, we can predict who is gonna surrender or who is gonna lapse in the next X months or the next quarter. Uh, with that prediction, we can actually work with the with the carrier to provide um you know a better user journey to try to retain this customer and to try uh to improve the, the probability of the company.
0: Hmm. And do you think that I'm just always wonder why in life insurance it's always about you know net new business constantly. Um why is it not about optimizing the data that we have to tap into that you know, that, that database of of customers and, and just general data that we've built up over years and years and years. Do you think comparison sites are to blame for that obsession with new customer acquisition?
1: I, 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 I wouldn't say for sure, but I know that most of the carriers are much more um, focusing on like bringing new business other than retain the current uh, book of business. So there's a lot of efforts in bringing new business to the to the to the carrier and bringing new clients and new policies, but eventually there's a big amount of policyholders or there are orphan holders which are not handled correctly, and mm. uh, one of our main uh, mission in in Attitude is actually to to expose this uh, uh, this barrier and try to solve this.
0: Mm. And and i think in terms of the how you leverage the algorithms how you ensure you know how how does it ensure full transparency less bias you know explainability in the decision making process when it comes to that or those important life insurance determinations or augmentations how, how, how do you guys ensure that you maintain that
1: yeah so there's a big issue uh, a big subject about uh, you know uh, fairness and bias in, in, in AI models. And yeah. um, handling bias and, and fairness in AI models is uh, imperative to you know to ensure the ethical and equitable outcomes of the models. Uh, How do we in Attitude are addressing this is that first of all uh, we are having like an ethical guidelines and training for our data science team uh, mm. to ensure that the teams are working you know um, well educated about the models, about ethical consideration, uh, about all this stuff. Um, another thing is that you know on that analyze, on, on the data analysis phase on the pre-processing, we are um, giving a lot of attention to the pre-processing. Um, feature selection, you know, if you're selecting like a fair, fair, fit, fair features, uh, fairness metrics, you know, the process of uh, correcting the elimination of algorithms. And we have like a regular audits that we're doing on our models. Uh, to try to uh to tackle the you know the biasing and the fairness in the, in the AI models
0: mm. and and is that an ongoing is that an ongoing challenge do you think to continue to ensure that that bias keeps yes. up with it you know fraudulent activity or you know some element of hacking into data etc like, do you think it's just going to be an ongoing ever-changing challenge or is it something that you feel that you can just get a handle on and, and it can main, be maintainable?
1: So it's an ongoing task, like it's an ongoing or every day that we are addressing fairness, when we are improving our models, when we are getting a new data sets, when we are working with the new clients. So there's an ongoing work on the, on the fairness and the biasing, uh, which is like, it's like a part of the process or part of our uh, research and development that we are doing internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in terms of security, wise, we do have a lot of um, regulation on security and a lot of uh, of action that we're doing mainly with our uh, IT team and with our uh, data scientists to to make sure that our data and our models are, from one side, are secure and everything, and from the other side, are um, addressing the biasing and fairness in the models. Mm.
0: And do you think do you think that then? just kind of going off the AI top but do you think that trickles down to you know do you think great customer insight brings more understanding like when you talk about the lifetime value of a customer is to care about the customer you know more than just a number by insight you know do do you think that that it brings more understanding your technology and, and what 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 the what the AI etc is doing
1: so so overall the the AI is giving much more understanding for our clients about their their clients or their policyholders uh needs and their policyholder uh dreams and fulfillment and what they want to achieve and we're helping them with our models actually to better understand their clients and to engage them uh in a much better way so they can continue retain them and have a better uh you know relation with those clients
0: mm so very much allowing the, the humans to do the more human part of the job, which I keep hearing more and more often. Um, and who are your kind of main customers? Is it is it the big, is it is it a combination of carriers, MGAs, you know, or is it, you know, who, who are you guys kind of helping the most? Obviously, the end user being people like myself, but, you know, where's the focal points for you guys to...
1: So, so, so we are working uh, mostly with, you know, with the, with life insurance carriers, the big uh, big insurance companies, uh, IMOs, brokers. Uh, we are not touching the end user, as myself or you. Uh, yeah. Working with with the big uh, with the big uh, carriers, actually.
0: Mm. Which, as I say, ultimately trickles down to the experience of of people like myself, you know. And um, and when you work with these. And I wanted to move on to talk about the culture piece because I think it's really interesting and in your position, um, EL as a VP of, of engineering. You you manage up to the founders, you manage down to the engineering managers, the wider team you cross-pollinate in the business. It's a, it's a difficult role, you know. Um the team at Attudot was founded by a group of data scientists, insurance experts, life actuaries you know as what for you coming into the business has been the challenges in integrating that real mix of insurance led people within the business and technology led people in the business in parallel working with these large incumbents that really aren't used to the technology adoption and the pace of it
1: yeah so um if you are questioning about how we close the gap between different, uh, you know, different roles in the company, if it's yeah. culture on one side, data scientists, or even um, software developers. Mm. Uh, so the, the challenge in the, is to understand the, the insurance industry or the insurance space, um, you know, speaking the same termo- terminology, uh, getting familiar with the products or the, the terminology of the super uh, complex products in the life insurance, uh, and the the idea is how do you leverage the uh, the knowledge or the external data or the external uh, experience that you're having uh, to improve those uh, uh, those models with uh, in the life insurance industry? Um, we found out that you know um, huge amount of the data in the insurance industry is very attractive for data scientists, uh, and they really like working with you know complex products and sorry, mm. complex uh, pl- problems uh I try to 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 achieve and to results with a better and better results using their AI models algorithms. Yeah. Uh, so it's very challenging. And uh, one of the most um challenging in the in the data science team in the insurance industry is that um data scientists are results oriented uh, and they like you know PhD, statistical PhD, math, math persons and they are always try to get the best results out of their models and they need to understand or they need to close the gap between the business needs and their uh, potential uh, models results. So from one side, we need to deliver models and we need to deliver results. And from the other side, the data science will want to continue, improve these models and improve the results. And it's like an endless uh, ongoing work. So to close the gap between the data science needs and the, and the company needs and the company business goals, is like a little bit challenging, but you know, we are working daily uh, to improve it.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you think's worked well for you coming in, not from a an insurance background what's what's worked well for you and attributed because I think there's one thing that a kind of theme you know is a as an executive search consultant I speak to lots of founders on this podcast. I'm lucky to speak to leaders and and the, the theme is around you know attributing to that culture between an insurance business and a technology business that and creating that insure tech you know, what do you think's worked well for you? It seems like it's maybe formed itself quite organically because as you say, data scientists love this part of the job, but I guess it's like in a wider sense, what do you think's worked well for you and attributed to constantly building that good culture at Atidot? And what is the, the kind of culture at Atidot, if you could describe it?
1: Yeah, so uh, overall, um, the things that we see is attributing or contributing to the culture of uh, Atidot as a company is like uh first of all foremost most is like the open communication so a data scientists can talk to the advisory consultant or can talk to the chief uh, strategy or three um, um chief product okay from one side um we are always like a continuous learning and growth approach when we are trying to bring our um in uh, our employees the best in the market knowledge courses, um, reading books, digital books, whatever that is needs to get them more familiar and more uh, experience in in the insurance. Um, team building and social activities that we are doing to the team to, to you know to keep them like team activities uh, to give them closer as a one group. Um, recognition and rewards for uh, achievements that our uh, employees are doing it's a great uh, um, contribution for the culture. Um, feedbacks, uh, open door uh, approach, one-on-ones with the teams, all those are mm. uh, also much more engaged uh, for the employees to the company. And it's also like an empowering for leadership inside the company. So all the above uh, play like a, a vital role in shaping the culture of dot and, mm. and ensuring a, like a vibrant, engaging and productive work environment in the dot company.
0: Mm. Interesting. And I mean, again, in the context of insurance, we, again, talk a lot about the challenges that face when you're aligning engineering, which is all about shipping code fastly, getting just getting shit done, really. You know, they want to move at a nice pace. Um, And it's just, uh, you know, quite cumbersome, you know, working with these large insurance carriers that maybe don't like to move at that pace and and doing a lot of questioning in terms of why or, you know, how can we integrate this technology you know for you how do you how do you kind of keep the guys motivated and and, and advise on the here and now keeping them motivated
1: you know yeah so i as a startup is like more on a faster pace or pace yeah you know, trying to, to bring much more tools and much more deliveries and when working with you know a giant enterprise companies insurance they are work they are working much slower um so when we are having an integration with the client or we are waiting for data from the client, uh, those things sometimes take a little bit more time than expected. Um, so we keep like, like 50% of the time when, when there's a free time actually to work on the new stuff, uh, improvements to the platform, uh, better infrastructure. So we always keep them highly motivated by providing them uh, a lot of uh, challenges on the day-to-day work, you know while they're working waiting for the carriers this or the carrier there to provide data or integration or whatever that is needed
0: hmm. and as a hiring manager as a is a is a leader that is constantly you know maybe not in scale up mode all the time but always on the on the lookout for people you know I noticed that the team is predominantly but everyone is based in Tel Aviv so, yeah.
1: It's not exactly right because right now we make that we we shift the the approach of the company of the R&D department a little bit different. Mm. Uh, So we decided that we want that all the data scientists and all the, you know, the IP of the company will sit in Israel. Uh, So all the data scientists are based in Tel Aviv. uh, And we are holding a group of uh, software developers um, in Ukraine. Okay, so... The client side or the platform is being developed uh, in a remote team, and all the algorithms and the models are being developed uh, in Israel.
0: Right, right.
1: The daily, you know, open communication and collaboration between the Israeli team and the Ukraine team, Uh, they're working closely and daily, uh, if it's a phone call or Slack or emails, whatever that it needs um, to achieve their uh, their goals.
0: It's interesting because as the Vice President of Engineering, you're you're so far away from the team, but clearly that's a testament to your ability as a leader to build a very successful, multidisciplined, geographical uh, remote team.
1: Yeah, it is challenging. It's actually challenging a lot, but um, I know we are picking a very good, uh, very uh, senior people that can know how to work remotely from one side or can know how to work with a remote t- team from the other side. Um, so they like, you know, they're having their tasks, they know how to handle them, they know how to, uh, to get the progress and to improve them, uh, and that's the whole idea. So I don't mm. want to be like, you know, micromanagement and day-to-day working with them. So we do have standards, yeah. We do have everything that all the company is doing, but we do know how to work remotely.
0: Mm. It's um, both from a VP of engineering and from a IC perspective, I think this question is always... You know, I think this topic is always just interesting in terms of, you know, what makes uh one, what makes a, a great VP of engineering in your eyes? Because again, I, I do think it's such a challenging job when you're managing up to C suite down to the wider team. You know, what gets what one what do you think makes for a good VP or a great VP of engineering coming into a business? And and when you come in looking to hire, you know, build your build a company with great people, what gets you excited? You know, I appreciate that's two questions, but
1: yeah so if I answer my first question, yeah is, I think that uh the most important thing for VP engineering is from one side um to execute and to deliver uh the required milestone of the product and to deliver the results to the to the market and mm-hmm. to bring a good product and from the other side to communicate between the business unit and the uh, and the R&D unit to try to tackle the there's a big gap between those two units and you know we need to find the balance about on one side the business uh, dreams and from other the actual uh, R&D um, possibilities um yeah. so we try to balance this uh, that's what we are doing uh, now i don't remember your second question
0: well what well- is someone coming in, you know, the, your job, as you say, is to execute, is to work with the founders on the tech strategies, to find good people. Again, it's something that I think is valuable to, you know, there's there's a lot wrong with hiring in tech at the moment, Um, I think. And I think it's very broken right now. And engineers, you know, I speak to engineers that have joined businesses and they've been fired after two months, you know, because it's just not it's not working out. But the hiring it starts at the hiring process like and i just think it's very beneficial for because we do attract a lot of technology-led people not just leaders in this podcast now more individual contributors like what gets el excited when you look at a profile for example for me something that i really don't enjoy seeing is someone that i would refer to as too jumpy or hopping around too much between jobs like do you, what what gets you excited on a and i appreciate it's quite surface level but just kind of keen to get your insight on that
1: you mean on the on the hiring process
0: on yes on the hiring process on 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 what gets you excited from when people when you're looking at people reviewing profiles when you're lining up interviews what what excites you about engineers or or talent you know
1: so so i do like in the in engineers or when i'm reading like a profile or cvs that having like uh, a vast experience in different fields so i know they are you know not jumping every two, or two months or every uh one year but still having like vast experience in a couple of different fields this is like raising me a question about what's their interest i mean someone mm-hmm. that worked like 10 years in the in, in the gaming industry or 10 years in the insurance industry it's one thing but if someone was working like three years in the gaming and then he moved to uh three years in the tech industry, so we have like more variety of experience and more, uh, it sees much more different solutions and it's much more attractive when I'm seeing some CVs like this.
0: Mm. And I think, you know, for me again, something that probably is exciting and again that I guess engineers should be more thoughtful of is in terms of their, what they can show what they've created in those industries if possible, you know, from GitHub accounts to you know, things that would actually potentially get you who sees hundreds of engineering profiles, you know. Um, it's just about trying to stand out because um, as I say, I do feel like it's a very difficult market for engineering talent at the moment.
1: Yeah, so you're right. The market now is very challenging. There's a lot of um profile in the market that's looking for uh, for a job, a lot for a position, and there's not enough the position at the moment. Um mm-hmm. So attractive-wise, I would say um, that, you know, the bottom line, um, as much as technologies that you play with and as much as experience you have from a different approach or different industries is much more attractive um, in the market right now. Um, And also, like, people that are coming from well-known companies. So... You know, when uh, you're reading a CV from someone that worked with on Google or, I don't know, on Monday.com, so it's much more than someone that worked in a company that you don't even know what the company about.
0: Yeah. And you think that's more, you think that the less brandings and logos, you think that's becoming a thing of the past now and it's more about the detail? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And look, kind of final question, I'm conscious of, of your time as well, but going back to your role as a VP of engineering, when you come in, you know, how do you advise the founders when it comes to that aspect of, I need you to build me a great team of great people that are mission driven and that understand what we're doing, you know, as a VP of engineering, do you hire, do you advise on hiring for the here and now, or do you advise on hiring for the future or both? Like, what's your kind of thinking there?
1: I, I I think that both actually, you know. Yeah. yeah.
0: And for Atido, it's very much about the here and now. Given the the stage that you guys are at, being you know minus fifty or so, I believe that is. how how big is the business at the moment?
1: Yeah, we are overall fifth, around fifty. Um, yeah. Fifty percent is in the in Israel, which is the R and D uh, and the marketing and the HR in Israel, um, as well as we have in Ukraine a part of the R and D team. And in the US, uh, we have all the, the C-level, the management, uh, the CEO of the company Duro, is based in Palo Alto. We have the product, the advisory, advisory uh, strateg- chief strategy uh, and business development over there, and also the sales persons and the SDRs.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, again, it's just something that I think I get asked a lot from other vice president of engineering, directors of engineering, you know, how to advise founders, you know, how, do, what is the best way to, to do that? Is it about the here and now? Is it about the future? Or does it really just depend on the, on the stage of the company? You know?
1: It, it depends on the stage of the company. So on the day-to-day job, we are focusing on here and now, but we do have like, you know, a weekly or monthly mm. meetings about the future about what's the milestone and what we're going to achieve on uh, the next quarter or the next year but you know the daily uh, meetings and we have a lot of meetings with the U.S. people although it's like a big you know time zone differences we do speak about the here and now.
0: Mm. Mm. Amazing look Attido, um yeah I'm conscious of your time I'm sure you've got plenty to be continuing to do Atido at and um, I just wanted to thank you for your time Um it's been super interesting to have you on and i'm sure lots of great takeaways for, for those that listen
1: thank you gavin so much um for me and from the Atido team